Welcome to this episode of Data Unchained. I'm Molly Presley, your host, and very excited to welcome a really interesting thought leader, not just in technology, but in the overall innovation space of how data-driven businesses are setting up their infrastructure, their data processes, and their IT supply chains. So first, I'd like to take a minute to welcome Deal Daly. Deal is the VP of Information Technology at Toysmith. Welcome, Deal. Hi, very nice to see you again, Molly. Always good to see you. Before we jump into the meat of the conversation, would you tell us just a little bit about yourself? And then we'll jump into talking a bit about Toysmith as well. Sure. Um, thanks for having me this morning. Um, I'm a 25-year industry veteran of IT technology and mergers and acquisitions, starting out on the business side and then gradually migrating to the technology focus. Uh, I've spent my years at fairly large companies and startups and smaller companies, uh, LexisNexis, Intuit, Ancestry, several startups, and now Toysmith. Um, the, the focus of my career has evolved into digitalization. Um, it's a tongue twister of a word, but it's really around of automating everything and focusing on the data as regards the enterprise. Uh, supply chain, ERP, B2B, CRM, and so forth. So this idea of digitalization, it is a tongue twister for me as well. Do you feel that in those different types of businesses, the concept of digital transformation is mostly a marketing term, or is it something that's been just core to making their businesses able to grow? No, I, I think it le leads into the storyline of CIOs and VPs of IT and, and folks that have a technology focus to really think more about digitizing the business and helping the business be more agile and then using the data of the business to continuously add value. So, you know, our industry is a wholesale distributor of toys and we've got a, a large number of, of partnerships and sourcers and things like that. So um, data and the data flow is very, very important. So I think that's the focus. Okay. And when we were chatting ahead of time before this podcast, one of the things you mentioned that seemed to be a theme across all of those companies was automate everything. And can you talk just a little bit more why that really jumps to the top of your mind as a key driver of how you think about strategies, regardless of the different types of businesses that you've worked in? Well, I, I think the automate everything uh, came into being with uh, work that I did in, in these um, different companies. It, was, it seemed to be a theme that just grew and grew over time uh, in that in order to make progress uh, and, and be able to help the business move more quickly, we had to sort of get out of our own way. We had to you know, uh, encode processes in, you know, that would allow things to happen automatically rather than having IT people or even business people intervene in the middle of a process to do some manual activity. And the, the faster we made processes happen, the more, the more business would come back to us and say, okay, that's great. Let's make it even faster, right? So then it was like, then the focus was automate everything that's possible so that we could improve, you know, improve the entire flow of, of uh, productivity throughout the business. 
So I think that all those different trends and learnings have become so relevant in a company like Toysmith that as my it's my understanding that you're distributed around the world with many, many, many toys, you know, counting and probably the billions, I don't know. Um, but I'd love for you to talk just about the complexity and how widely distributed Toysmith is. So we can talk a little bit more about how some of these trends really play into something that's so top of mind, like a supply chain business in today's world. Yeah, so I'd be glad to do that. Um, Toysmith is a wholesale distributor of toys. We have 120 manufacturing plants, mostly in Asia. So therefore, all of the products are, are manufactured far away from us. They have to be created. They have to be palletized. They have to be put into containers. They have to be shipped. They have to be received and so forth. So that leads into this sort of supply chain ecosystem that we manage. Uh, on the other end of the, of the spectrum is our customer world, which is over 7,000 stores and chains. Uh, and adding many, many more if you count the number of stores per chain. So some of our largest customers are Amazon directly, um, Target, Walmart, and so forth, very large chains, as well as drugstores, hobby shops, and so forth. So um, it's been an entire focus of us to um, get our arms around the processes, both on the product creation, inventory, you know, procurement, logistics, product lifecycle management, as it is on the ERP, CRM, and, and order processing sides. So we can see the flow going from the beginning process of demand management all the way through to order processing and CRM. We want to make that as seamless and as automated as possible. There are lots of handoffs, uh, and more and more of these uh, systems that are being built uh, come with integrations into these other systems. So um, it, it's a, a very useful model to follow. Excellent. So as you think about how business and architectures have evolved, have you thought a lot about the concept of localized versus decentralized IT? Yeah, I, I think that's come about in the past several years or certainly through through the mid-2000s when we began uh, uh, moving out from the local center uh, when people started to have multiple sites. And then with COVID and the, the dramatic change of de decentralization of the workforce, that created a whole new set of demands on uh, on IT and on the business in general. Uh, you know, the thought that comes into mind is, you know, the, the where people are located, uh, you know, as far as businesses were concerned is it used to matter. It used to be important to them that they be in an office. We thought it mattered. Everybody thought it was very critically important. And now all of a sudden it's gone to, well, no, it really doesn't matter so much anymore. What we have to do is adapt our ecosystem to help make our talent pool as productive as possible wherever they happen to be. And that leads to other, that leads to other requirements regarding the availability of systems and the availability of data for those people and applications to work on. So what does your workforce look like today? Are you distributed across countries, states? Just generally give us our, a feel for what your 
your own IT team looks like? Uh, Toysmith tends to be a very, very efficient business. So we do have a headquarters location. Obviously, you know, the business has been around for 30 years or more uh, out of a single location here in Washington. Um, But over the past several years, we've begun hiring remotely as we began to expand our technology ecosystem so that we can bring on, you know, salespeople, creative people, designers, product designers, and so forth, who are in Arizona, California, and New York, Atlanta, and so forth. And we're, we're working diligently to make them part of the, fat, the fabric of the business uh, in which they're equal, equal players, where you know, everyone uh, has the same experience. There are no disadvantaged players in this game. Everybody has equal access to things with our video conferencing, the availability of data and tools, and so forth. So uh, the the ecosystem that we've been developing and which has been required by businesses is now enabling us to we gather a wider set of talent from around the country without concerns about, well, you need to be in Washington or you need to be nearby. Interesting. It's, it's definitely been a lot of change in the last couple of years, but this industry and IT agility has been on, it feels like a continuous evolution curve that's just breakneck speeds. I'd, I'd be curious to know, where do you learn about t- new technologies? When you start to think about a new capability you'd like to have in your environment and getting your hands on what are the best of breed technologies out there, where do you go look and how do you assess which technologies to bring in? Yeah, I, I think you have to sort of uh, agree to get outside of your own comfort zone. Um, IT people and technologists in general, uh, as a, just as a general statement, tend to be a lower risk uh, because, number one, they're trying to protect the data. They're trying to protect the business. They're trying to manage cost. All of those tend toward a conservative approach to things and a you know, a, a, a slower pace of change, as it were. And you have to sort of deliberately get out of that zone and invite uh, interesting topics that might broaden both your network of people in terms of who you talk, who you engage with and who you discuss things with, as well as uh, topics that are innovative in terms of the business, in terms of things that haven't happened yet. People are working on them. They don't really work yet. Uh, or they're bleeding edge, they're starting to work, and they're starting to have benefits, things that that we can anticipate will be sort of, you know, you know, core parts of businesses going forward in five or eight years. Those are the things you really want to understand, because those, were, those are where you place your innovation bets going forward. And that's how you begin to innovate internally, is by will and being willing to test and and pilot things internally and then move forward from there. So you mentioned you're a fairly efficient organization with your staff and even managing such a large business like you are. How do you find time to test, you know, whether it's time from your humans or budget to get the applications in-house? How do you typically accomplish that? Sure. Um yeah, um, one thing very often uh, technologists report into like a CFO or a COO um, at the high level. And so therefore, cost is kind of the major measuring stick, right, to make sure we're staying with the budget or whatever. So if you have 
fairly strong guardrails around spending, then the really uh, the only way to innovate is to create savings within your world and identify uh, opportunities to repurpose those dollars to an innovation topic. So the way that I've done this in the past is discussing with our CFO or a COO that uh, you know we're on track to save some money based on some decision we can make internally to IT, and um, we're going to save X amount of money over a period of time. You know, in order to move the business forward and, and develop more agility, we'd like to repurpose some of those savings dollars so that we can invest. And then that really, that's like the the starter log in the fireplace, right? It's, it starts the innovation happening. It can be small, right? But it, it sets, sends both a cultural message as well as a, a real practical message that we're going to pay to, to learn how to innovate. So once you start that cycle, uh, then you can, you know, pilot something new, get some advantage, bring those advantages back to the business. And then you become more of a strategic partner to the business in ter- terms of driving agility and scale, right? So the three mantras I focus are efficiency uh, and, and scale um, and agility in terms of driving businesses forward. So if we can create efficiencies, then we can then repurpose dollars, help the business be more agile, and then we can do it at scale. I am observing this a tough set of challenges to bridge between. You want to be a great business partner. You're also a cost center. You're also a risk center if you're hacked or if there's downtime. And bringing all those together is is a difficult task and certainly why IT teams tend to be stressed and wanting to be conservative in a lot of different ways. I think that that kind of takes me to looking at what kind of advice do you give to others in your role or aspiring to be in your role leading IT teams for companies like yours that are distributed around the world, data-driven? Do you have a certain philosophy of how you kind of um, speak to your own companies or you mentor folks in this space? Yes, um, I do do focus on those three principles, efficiency, agility, and scale. Um, because the, we're really trying to to create um, a cycle of innovation that will constantly throw off benefits to the business. And the way to do that is I generally have a four-year cycle uh, where you're instigating innovation in the first year, you're piloting in the second, you're creating a new baseline for production in the third year, and then in the fourth year, you're optimizing. Now, the key is that in in phase three, while you're deploying the new baseline for production, you're starting the cycle over again as well, and you're doing the instigate again. And then while you're optimizing, you're also piloting, right? So then you're, you, you're uh, and I don't even call them years because the cycle of innovation tracks to the cycle of uh, how um, businesses are adopting technology. So the technology cycle used to be about three years. Well, now it's 18 months or less. And if, you, if you're really cloud resident, it's probably more like six to nine months in terms of driving big change in your business, because that's what's possible now. So you, you have to think of the phases and not in terms of how long, how, what the duration of those phases are, because the cycles can happen very quickly. 
That's an excellent observation that that process is the same, whether you're measuring in weeks, months, years. How do you think about owning infrastructure? Do you tend to prefer owning your infrastructure, owning your applications? Do you have a preference on SaaS, anything like that in USS Technologies? Well, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll throw my age out on the table here and that for the first 15 to 20 years, it was all about how much infrastructure could I own? How many people could I have to manage? It was more of a, you know, earlier on in the years is how big is my organization? And that was kind of the measuring stick. And now in the past 10 years, it's more about how much business value can I drive? And the correlation to that is to get away from capital intensive uh, activities, which have a three to five to 10 year lifespan around them. It's difficult to be agile if your sunk costs are going to last for five years or more. So therefore, I've migrated to a, you know, using SaaS services, cloud services, own as much, as little infrastructure as possible uh, in order that we can we be uh, very agile. And this allows us to uh, drive toward uh, shorter contracts in terms of duration, uh, have them all be variable cost bases. So if we do less work, we pay less money. Um, uh, all things that allow us to be agile in terms of if we need to change a direction, then we can you know, uh, acceptably move on to a different technology or a different partner. So really that baseline innovation assessment that's gone from maybe being every three years to every nine months would only be possible if you have the flexibility in your contracts and your infrastructure to be agile. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a circular thing, right? It's a cause and effect. And, and if you don't have one, you can't really do the other and, and so forth. Yeah. So that's exactly right. They're complementary. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you taking time with our audience. Um, if any of you are interested in following Deal and a lot of the thoughts he has on what's evolving in the global economy, in technology, he's very active on LinkedIn. Deal Daily is who you want to search for. I enjoy reading his posts and kind of the different thoughts and observations he has from his network of other leaders in IT. So I definitely recommend following him. And of course, always recommend you coming back to the next version of Data Unchained. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Molly. It was very nice meeting with you again. Thanks for listening to Data Unchained, powered by Hammerspace. To learn more, visit hammerspace.com. If you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, email me at molly at hammerspace.com. Mm-hmm.